The topic of today's shiur is going to be about Purim, about the holiday of Purim, and more specifically, what is the takeaway of the holiday of Purim, right? The Jewish concept of holidays differs significantly from the non-Jewish concept of a holiday, where the non-Jewish concept of a holiday is more of a commemorative act. It's a ceremony. So, for example, I love this example of Thanksgiving because I think it's the most exemplified. Thanksgiving is you know, it's all the holiday of gratefulness, the holiday of uh, appreciation of what you have, giving thanks. You know, and it's just it's so funny how every single year they start cutting hours from Thanksgiving so people can run to get more things. <laughs> you know, so where where did all the gratitude to go? It went in one year, one year, and went left the other year. So. You know, Thanksgiving is commemorative. We have one of one day. We make the ceremony. You have the turkey. You watch the football. You know, I don't know what uh, what else they do. Uh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> turkey and football. You know, you drink. You I don't know. And then uh, back to the normal normal day to day life. Jewish the Jewish concept of holidays um, differs from this, where this is a moed. A moed literally means a, a, a time, an appointment in time. The Jewish concept of holidays is not just a commemorative act. It's not an act where we come and we, for example, on Pesach, Herut, freedom. We don't say, ah, Pesach, remember the freedom, and then uh, eight days later go back to our normal life. Unfortunately, that's what it has become. But the, the idea is that we take the concept with us and we carry it on throughout the year. More so. Huh? Gained another yomte. Gained another yomte. That's a good one. We gained it. We don't commemorate. We gained the Chag. We gain a concept. We gain a, 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 a level up, if you want to say. Level up. Um, and really, if we go a little bit further, it even goes a little bit... If it goes a little bit more deeper than this, that every single holiday is a level up, is a concept that you need to exemplify in your life. And that in turn leads you to the next holiday, right? And then that in turn leads you to the next holiday. And you go from Pesach to Shavuot. You go from Shavuot to the, the Tzomot. You go from the Tzomot to Yom, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you can't, Yom Kippur leads to Sukkot, Sukkot leads, etc., etc., etc. All the way to Purim. And then back to Nisan. And we know in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, it says that the, the beginning of the year for holidays is Pesach, is Nisan. So Purim is really the end holiday after an entire cycle of holidays. So not only is it that, okay, Purim is not just a holiday where we remember something that happened so many years ago. Purim... It's a concept that we need to take with us. And not only that, it's a concept that we need to take with us after so many holidays that gave us concepts that we needed to take with us in order to be able to get to Purim. And Purim goes back to Pesach and we start the cycle again. So Purim is really a very special kind of holiday because it's very easy to, to connect one to another. Purim is hard because it's harder to connect it because it's the last one. The last holiday in the cycle of holidays. So, the story of Purim starts off 
and uh, is the story of the Jews in Shushan, in Persia. And everybody knows the story. Achashverosh and Haman wanted to kill the, the Jews, and there was a big uh, salvation for the Jews, and in the end they went and they killed and they hung Haman and his ten uh, children and the people who went to go out to try and kill them. And it's a happy day for us. But again, this is not a commemorative day. So what exactly is the point of the story? What is the takeaway of Purim? And what are we in it? In the, in, what are we trying to accomplish in the day of Purim? In the Avodah of Purim? Okay. So, a place to start trying to answer. Do, do I have everybody on board with me till now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, a good place to start to try to analyze a holiday, what we're meant to accomplish on the holiday, is to look at the basic mitzvot of the holiday, right? It's to look at the basic, uh, at the basic uh, tenets, uh, not tenets, I don't know that's the right word, but the basic uh, customs and traditions and things that we're meant to physically accomplish on the holiday. And through that, we're going to be able to find the spiritual, the metaphysical, the deeper understanding that we're trying to take out via these vehicles of physical actions. Um, if I told you to put, uh, if I told you to put something on the table, you can say the reason why you're putting me, telling me to put it on the table is so that it's accessible to people who are seated at the table, right? That's basically the concept. If we want to know what is the point, we look at what is prescribed for us to do. Okay, so if we look at the at the the way we celebrate Purim, it becomes very interesting. Why? Because we have Mikra Megillah, reading the Megillah, right? We have Matanot Levyonim, giving presents to the to the poor, and we have Mishloach Manot, giving food to your friends. Those are all very basic things, right? Why it's very easy to understand why why what's beneficial in reading the Megillah. We have this awesome story about God, about God saving us, although it's hidden, whatever. But we have this awesome story about our history, how we came out. It's so motivational. It's inspirational. Yeah, it makes sense why we should try to read the, the Megillah. We have the Matanot Lev Yonim giving presents to the poor. Is there any time that there's a problem with giving uh, presents to the poor? No, it's obvious that it's a good thing to give presents to the poor. It's something that is noble regardless if it's Purim or not. Mishloach uh, Monot, giving food in, uh, to your friends. Also, it creates a bond between everybody. It creates a friendship. Well, it makes sense why you should. It's all very normal, basic things to understand their benefit. But there's one more interesting thing that is very mind-boggling, which is... To drink, so that Purim, and so that Purim is to eat and also to drink. Uh, I'll prove later why it's drinking. I can see you're getting a lot of looks. Why? How do I know it's drinking? But Uda Gemara tells us, It's part of eating the seuda. How do I know it's part of eating the seuda? Part of the seuda is getting drunk. Because that's the girsa that Yalkut Shimoni has, and that's the girsa that is present a lot of time, a lot all over. It's not. Um, sorry, I jumped a little bit. We have the story right after the Chiyuv of Michai Vinish Lebisume. We have the story of Rabban Rabzera, right? 
And it says over there, it says over there, they were doing the seudah together, ipsum, and they got drunk. And then we have the whole story. Ipsum, they got drunk. The girsa that a lot of people have and is present in the Yerukut Shimoni and most of the Midrashim, it's not ipsum, they got drunk, is asku bilsudat purim ad the ipsum, till they got drunk. Meaning the getting drunk is an extension of the seuda. That's how I'm proving that it's a uh, part of the seuda. So we have this chiyuv of seudat purim. Eating on purim, which as we see from the way the Gemara is uh, in the girsa, is to get drunk. Now, in and of itself, it's a question. In and of itself, it seems strange, weird. But now, let me tell you another thing. The Rambam says that somebody who gets drunk, Naval Torah. So you're going to tell me, 364 days a year, three, oh, oh, every single day of the year, if you get drunk, you're a you're a carcass, Torah. You're a dead person, you're a... Well, what's the English word for it? Disgusting. Shkots. 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 Okay. But one day a year, it's totally fine. Not only that, it's a chiyuv. If it said it's fine, I would have the question. Mutar libsume bepuraya. Chayavinish libsume bepuraya. Doesn't make sense. To give you another, another shtoch, another that. Rabbi Avraham ben Rambam. The son of the Rambam, he writes in El Kafiyat Al Abadin, the Sefer Amaspik. He writes over there, what is the Derch Ha'am of Kashrut? What is the basic path of Kashrut? Before he lists the Derch Hasidut, he says, what is the basic path that is incumbent on every single person of Israel in in when keeping Kashrut to stay away from the not kosher food, to eat from the kosher food only? To eat in moderation and never get drunk. And not get drunk. Within Kashrut, he tells you you're not allowed to get drunk. So you're going to tell me one day a year we have a chiyuv to get drunk? Just doesn't make sense. It's anti-Jewish. Okay. So. So. I think the way to begin understanding a little bit is to look a little bit into the storyline, to look into the Megillah itself, see if we can find any hints to try to give us any answer. So, I, mean, I don't want to say the whole story. I'm sure everybody here already knows the story. Um, but there's a very interesting point in the storyline and I'm sure a lot of people who learned under Rav Sheftel know this uh, point a lot, but the um, Mordechai, what? No, you have to say that loud. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure. So Mordechai, he, this is also Rav Moshe Miller, like not the one who lives here, but he, he. He asks, he says, the storyline, it's very interesting. It's very mind-blowing. Mordechai, he hears about the story of Haman paying the Ahasuerus for, to kill the Jews, the Parashat HaKesef, as he calls it. And he wears the sackcloth, and he goes up to the gates of the, of the king. 
goes up to the gates of the king. It's also very interesting why he doesn't go into the into the king into the gate himself. He stays outside. Where, but he goes out the gate. He stands outside the gate of the king, and Esther sees him from the window, and she immediately tidchalchel Esther. Right? I don't have the in front of me, so if I'm saying it wrong, you have to. Uh, no, I, I, I wasn't telling you to bring out the, the but um, but Esther is tidchalchel uh, Esther. Esther is she immediately she gets. She, she loses control almost. She gets, she gets so scared. And so she sends her servant, go down and talk to Mordechai. See, wha, wha, what's up? What the heck is going on over here? The Shliach goes to Mordechai. Mordechai tells him what happened with the uh, Parashat Kesef. And he tells it uh, to tell to Esther, you have to go to Achashverosh and tell him, to stop this nonsense, stop this insanity, stop the decree against the Jews, save the Jews. What does Esther say, send back to Mordechai? Don't you know? Don't you know? Everybody knows that if I wasn't called for the king, if, no, if you weren't called to the king and you go to the king, you're going to be killed. And I wasn't called for 30 days. You want me to go? I'm going to be killed. Are you insane? The way she says it also is... Uh, Everybody knows, and the noblemen know, and the normal people know. You don't know. I'm gonna die. Your wife, you wanna send me to death? Just doesn't, she's just saying, where, where, you're, you're sending me on a suicide mission. Literally. So what does Mordechai say back to her? She said, he says, Thank you. Don't think in your heart, don't imagine in your heart that you're going to get away and you're going to hide in the chambers of the king from all the Jews. Don't think so. If you become deaf to our pleas in this moment, safety and uh, comfort, I guess, is that a good uh, translation? Space, help, us. Salvation, that's a good word, will stand for the Jews from a different place. But you and your father's house, gone, cut out. Who knows if for a time like this, you were placed as a queen in the royalty. What kind of drugs is Mordechai on? <laughs> Imagine if someone's a car is speeding at you and you're standing there like no, no, get the what do you mean? Estelle's gonna die. You have this giant kingdom that's trying to kill all the Jews, and you're just like, no, don't worry. Chillax. Everything's fine. What's going on here? How does this make sense? We read this every year. It does not make sense. Does not make sense. It's just I don't understand. I, I mean, I don't think I even need to stand on this question anymore. It's just it, obviously, it's just okay. Fine. So yeah. So I think in order to start, in order to answer that question. Um, everybody gets the question, right? Okay. <laughs> In order to, to, to start trying to figure that out, we need, to, we need a little bit of a historical, co- a historical context. 
Because again, what does Mordechai tell Esther? Atovedi, you'll be lost? No, atubetavichtovedu. You and your father's household will be lost. Who's her father's household? Shaul. Shaul Amelech. Esther is a descendant of Shaul Amelech. Haman, who is, who, who is he descended from? Agag. Agag, Melech Amalek. Does that ring a bell to anybody over here? There's a famous story we read in the Aftarah last week. Novisher, Novisher gang. Novisher gang, always know the Aftarah. But we, we read in the, in the, in the Aftarah last week, it's the story in uh, Melachim. The Jews go out to fight with Amalek. The Jews go out to fight with Amalek. And there's the Chiyuv, you have to kill every single one of Amalek. Shaul is leading the war against Amalek. They're beating them, they're defeating them, they kill everybody. Right? Now, what does he do? He takes all the sheep and the cattle. And he keeps it, why? Because he wants to give a zevach to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's very noble. I want to take from the... Nobody can keep from the, uh, the spoils of war. I'm gonna, everything has to be burned, but these I'm going to bring as a korban. And he also brings one more thing with him. Who? Agag. He brings Agag to Yerushalayim. Shmuel comes back. Shmuel comes down. And he tells Shaul, what's going on here? What are you doing? And he says, ah, we went to war. We killed Amalek. And you see these sheep? I brought them as a korban and I brought Agag as a prisoner of war. And Shmuel loses it on him. And he, and he says, the word is nimas. Just like you were disgusted, you were done with God's word. God told you to kill every single one of Abelek, not to leave one. You bring the king back here? You bring the sheep back here? You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have brought even one. You should have killed all of them in the battle. You brought one of them back. Just like you were disgusted in the words of God, God is disgusted in you. And he te- he rips the vekara mimcha tamalchut. Which, by the way, side point, just side point, uh, there's a big question why is it that we're called Yehudim? This wording of to cut the, the, the malchut, that's also the wording where there's the split between Israel and Yehuda. So really the whole story of Megillah is from malchut Yehuda, not from malchut Israel. But that's a, that's a side point. But, um, but he said, just like you were disgusted in the words of God, God is disgusted in you, Shaul, for not killing a God. That is who Esther comes from, from Shaul. Shaul who didn't kill Agag. The only reason they are now facing once again Esther and Haman is because many years before, hundreds of years ago, before, Shaul didn't kill Haman's great-grandfather, Agag. So this is again... A connection, a, 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 a time of showdown in history that happened before. And it happened once before also. When? When we left Egypt. When we left Egypt, who were the first nation that came and attacked the Jews? Amalek. Where's Agag? Who's Agag the king of? Amalek. Amalek versus Israel. It goes even before that. Where does it go? Bereshit. Bereshit. The world was created Bishvil Rashid before the, the major the, the the head of the nation. Rashi says, En Rashid ele Israel. What does Bilam say? En Rashid ele Amalek. It's a showdown of creation. It's a showdown that comes from the beginning of creation, the purpose of the world. 
So, who is this Amalek? <coughs> what is this Amalek? Right, I just told you they're, you know, Veshita Amim. Who is he? The Americans? America. You know, like, who are So, Amalek is a worldview. Amalek is probably most exemplified, actually, by Bil'am, who I don't think he was an Amaleki. But he exemplifies the, the, the philosophy of Amalek. Um, well, Amalek was, was Elifaz's son, no? Yeah, Amalek is Esav's grandson. Elifaz is his son. I think so. I think, I think the battle of Amalek, this, this is a good question because it's a big discussion whether the, the, the Chiyuv to kill Amalek, because again, remember, this is also ties back. This is, besides for the fact that we're always showing down with them, we have a Chiyuv to kill them. We have a Chiyuv to kill them. We don't have a Chiyuv to kill any other, any other nation. We have a Chiyuv to kill Amalek. Which, by the way, that was a question. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot to ask. Later on in the story, like ever since um, Perek Chet, yeah, ever since Perek Chet till the end, right? It's the most anti-Jewish thing you've ever read in your life. Then they went, then they killed, and they asked for another day, and they slaughtered, and you know how much they killed? They killed 500, and they... Whoa, 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 whoa. You ever read something like that about the Jews? It's, uh, you know... It's usually the other way around, almost, you know? Look how much Jews we killed. It's not how much the Jews killed. Um, but, but this goes back to the thing that this is not just a case about Persians. This is a showdown with Amalek. So the question is, they, they ask is, is it a genetic thing, an ethnic thing? Do we kill Amalek because they're Amalekim? Do we, and it's also very strange because we have to kill every single one Amalek, but, you know, everyone has the stories, oh, he saw an Amaleki on the street and he wanted, like the, the joke with the, the brisker in Bnei Brak is that uh, he committed suicide. So they, they extract the note. What does he say? I had to suspect whether or not I was Amalek, so I shot myself. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, something the right the Khumra, so I shot myself. So the, the thing is, though, that you're actually not chayav, from my understanding, I might be wrong, but you're not chayav to kill Amalek if you see him on the street. It's just in a time of war. Which is strange. If we have a chiyuv, which in and of itself is a Christian, why do we have a chiyuv of genetic uh, cleansing, ethnic cleansing, genocide? We're going to only do it in the time of war. Do it even when it's not in war, no? Which, uh, so I don't know. I don't. Uh, it's a big question whether or not it's a genetic thing. I th- I am more in of the side that thinks it's more of a worldview. We have to kill the worldview of Amalek, um, and part of that is also the genetics, the ethnic, you know the people who are in that worldview, but I really, you know, it's like Amalek also. Shmayana Batalyon, they were from Amalek. Do we kill them? No. Once they left, uh, that is killing Amalek. Once we took them away from their worldview, which we're going to see what it is, and they bring them into Israel, then I think it's more of a worldview. I think the Rambam actually thinks it's, uh, uh, the Rambam is more on the side of, of its uh, ethnic and actually, Chacham Faul disproves using the Rambam that it can't be that. It's very interesting. But, um. It happens to be with the, with the king of um, Amalek. He was the last one, and then just a couple of years later, there's hundreds of them. Right. And the Midrash, it's also so weird. The Midrash, I'm gonna, I was gonna mention it, but I'll just mention it now. The Midrash over there says, how was it that Amalek stayed alive from only a god? 
right? Because only Agag was alive. If there's no other Amaleki, so how was it that he was able to procreate? They said, no, the Amalekim, they can turn into animals. <laughs> and so at night, Agag went to the animals and he had babies. Because they kept the animals. Wait. No, he didn't keep the woman. He kept the animals. The Midrash says the animals were the woman that turned into animals. And, well... I thought there was a woman in the jail. In the what? In the jail. That is. Not sure. We can check the psukim. We can check the psukim. I'm very open to being wrong. <laughs> but because um, I, I prefer a normal answer than uh, the woman turned into animals answer. But uh, <laughs> fine. So what is Amalek? What is Amalek? Let's get, let's get back to what is this philosophy of Amalek that we try to kill? So we have to look at Bil'am. Bil'am exemplifies Amalek. I heard from someone that Bil'am like taught Amalek. I don't know. It's, uh, they're connected. They're connected somehow. But, um, but the f- philosophy wise, they're very connected. So the story of Bil'am in Parashat Balak makes no sense to anybody who reads it. It's a, it just doesn't make sense. God goes, Balak goes to Bil'am and he says, curse this nation for me so I can beat them in war. Okay. Makes sense to know. Bilam says, I can only do what God tells me. Makes sense. He goes to sleep. He tries to get an answer from God. God says, no, don't go. He says, okay. Wakes up in the morning. God tells him, go, but do what I tell him, tell you. He says, okay. Goes with them. He gets to the place. They're like, okay, curse them. They're like, wait, I can't do, I can only do what God tells me. They say, okay. Um, God says, no, now you're going to bless them. He's like, okay, now I'll bless them. What? Meaning the, 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 there's no continuance. Meaning, um, put the thing over here. Okay. Now take it back. Okay. No, 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 put it back. Okay. Meaning he's just like every single thing. Don't curse them. Okay. I won't curse them in the morning. Okay. Fine. But you guys stay around. Maybe God will change his mind or something, you know? Then God said, yeah, go with them. Okay. I'll go with them. What happened to the fact that God just said no? You, you got. We can look in the psukim. I'll make it a little. I'll make it. I don't know if everybody is there. Where is it? Ah, Balak. Um. Yeah. So the atalecha na arali etaam azek ki atzum hu mimeni ulai uchal na kebo vagarshen minaret. So Balak tells Bilam, curse because I know. Who you bless is blessed. You are and wherever you curse is cursed. Right? Bilam, you have so much power, which is also in and of itself. Bilam has so much power. And the Midrash says, the, I think, I think it's the Midrash. The Midrash says the Goim can't come and say, oh, if only we had a Navi like Moshe, we would have been on the, on the service of God. Cause they say, oh, you had a Bilam. Bilam is on the level of Moshe. Bilam is on the level of Moshe. So, he has this power. He says, whoever you bless is blessed. Whoever you curse is cursed. What is this? Okay. So they go, they come to Bilam. They tell him the word of Balak. Fine. So what does Bilam tell them? Sleep here tonight. And he says, sleep here. And I'll tell you what God tells me I can do. God tells him, who are these people? God doesn't know. Who are these people? Okay. He starts explaining. 
He starts explaining to God as if, uh, God, hey, at the water cooler, hey, who are these people? Uh, you know, these people, they come, there's this nation that just left. You know, you, you, God, you heard of this Kriyat uh, Yamsuf thing? Yeah, it just, uh, it just happened that you did. That, uh, he wants me to curse that nation. Right. Interesting. I didn't think about him. Right. Right. So. Don't go, don't curse because they're blessed. Okay. Fine. Bilam wakes up in the morning and he tells to the people of Allah, go to your land because God didn't let me to go. And the people of Moab, they go to Balak, they tell them what happened. They send more people. Okay? They send more people to Bilam. So Bilam says, no, they send more people. Okay? What does Bilam tell them? You know what? Stay here tonight. I'll check again. I'll check again. No, let me, let me ask, uh, let me ask, uh, let me ask again. God comes and he says, okay, now go. What changed? He said, no, they're blessed. Now he's saying, go. Okay? So he goes, right? And then he comes and um, long story short, he says, um, can I curse them? They say, no, don't curse them. They're blessed. Now give a bracha. And he gives a bracha. So the nation that he went to go to give a klala, he gives a bracha. No, meaning the word of God is changing faster than uh, the opinion of Bilam and whether or not he wants to curse the nation. Okay. So, from here we can see what the, the, so this doesn't make sense. Why, what's the, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? How is Bilam approaching God? How is Bilam, what's his rationality between changing? What's his rationality between the first time and the second time? And what's the rationality that in the end he finally is able to, to bless instead of curse? To understand that, I think we need to understand where Bilam got his power from. Bilam, we say, does everybody, everybody is on the same page about what the questions on Bilam? Huh? So, where does Bilam get his power from? Bilam, we say, got his power from Rega. Rega. What's Rega? A moment. There was a moment where God's angry and he was able to tap to that moment. Okay? So why can't we tap into that moment? Why is it that the Jews are able to tap to that moment? Why isn't it that Moshe wasn't able to tap into that moment? The reason is because it's a Rega. It's a moment. It's not connected to anything. It's not connected to time. You come and you're trying to... It's 57 seconds after here. No, 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 no. Bilam doesn't believe in that. Time is a construct. He's always open. He has no continuance. He's always open to that rega. So he's able to act on that rega. So we also see God doesn't... He doesn't talk to God. God happens on him. Vaikal, right? God happens on him. Which, by the way, the same way God happens on Bilam, Vaikal, is the same way Amalek happens on Israel. Vaikal, Karcha Baderech. 
It happened on you. Does it make sense to you that a nation sees there's a freaking pillar of fire that's guarding half the nation? There's like maybe 20 that's standing outside. They're like, let's kill those 20. Doesn't, they don't connect the dot between the, the fact that the person that, the, the God that is protecting the ones in here is also wanting to protect those that are outside. Right? They don't connect that. They say, this is this, that is that. This is here and this is there. They're not connected. They live in Rega. They live in Yikang. In happenstance. Keri. That's where Amalek got his power from. Because he was able to tap into that. He was able to tap into the fact that the world that we perceive is random. He was able to tap into the fact that this existence that we have down here is completely random, completely meaningless in and of itself, completely chaotic. And he knew that. So what happened, what God tells me yesterday is not what God is going to tell me now. And what God tells me now is not what he's going to tell me tomorrow or the day after that or a moment after that. Everything stands on its own. Why? Because there's no meaning to this world. There's no meaning to this world. There's no continuance. There's no connection that leads, that puts a thread between the actions of today to the actions of tomorrow and creates a continuance. That's a construct. That's something we invented, Amalek says. That's something that is fake. That's something that in and of itself has no purpose. That's why Amalek is Karchad. They're the kings of Keri, of nothingness. They're the kings of nothingness. And, yeah. And the truth is though, and this is the part that's scary, is that they're right. Because they're Rashid Amim. They are Rashid Amim as much as Israel. They're 100% right. They're the top of the nations because of this. They're not like the stupid Egyptians. The Egyptians, they come and say, no, this cow has meaning. Amalek sees through that. It says, no, what do you mean? This cow is going to be dead tomorrow. And we know, Pirkei Avot even says, What is it? Um, What's the point of this world? You're coming from uh, garbage and you're going to garbage. Different kinds of garbage. One sperm and one's uh, worm food. But what's the difference? <laughs> so really, you live your 80 years and sometimes some people have the opportunity to overlap their window of space of time between being sperm and uh, worm food. And uh, that's it. That's the entirety of the world if you think about it. That's the entirety of, cre- of existence. It's postmodern almost. The world finally gets to a point where, you know, finally, this is like the, the, the common understanding. Everybody, like everyone you ask in the street is on this. But this is what's very groundbreaking when Amalek came out with this. You know, Amalek dropped it uh, first. <laughs> you know, they, they come out, they say there's no point. There's no point. And if you look into the world, it really is. Does it? it makes it really hard because it's very hard to come and try to say, no, the point is chesed. The point is to do good to the world. Really? Abraham, who is the father of Chesed, had to do Akedat Yitzchak. If he wouldn't have done Akedat Yitzchak, it would have been a lack of him. So you're really going to tell me that Chesed is the best thing? Even the father of Chesed had to do Din, had to do Akedat Yitzchak. You want to tell me it's, uh, it's Din? We know that a world that is completely Din is going to die. You want to tell me that it's destroying the Avodah Zarah? Uh, uh, sorry, destroying the Yetzer Hara? 
We know that the Chachamim did destroy the Yetzirah and the world almost ended. There's no absolutes. Everything needs to be, everything, there's no absolutes. So you're going to tell me Chesed is good. I'll tell you no, Chesed is not good because we know too much Chesed actually leads to, as we know, Chesed is the same word for incest. Znut, Chesed. Yeah, incest. Yeah. Chesed is the same word for incest. So you're going to tell me Chesed is good? No, no, no. Chesed is good, but only like this, only in like that. So how are we different than Amalek? Amalek tells you, no, 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 no. Stop trying to make your own fake manipulations on this world. Stop trying to put your constructs on the world. There's no point to the world. And they're right. So why aren't we Amalekim? So why don't we follow them? Because we have something that they don't. We have something that they don't. What is that? I hear, I need to rethink my entire... What's the difference between Israel and Amalek? Israel has a relationship with God. Israel connects above this world. Amalek's right in this world. But we connect to something higher than this world. And that's the only reason we have meaning. And to be honest, that's the only... That, that's in and of itself, if you think about it, Amalek's right about existence until the point of relationship with God. That's where we split with them. The fact that we're able to extend to something external to our existence, the fact that we're able to extend to something that is beyond the physical world, and we're able to attach our importance on that being, or I'm being is not, you know, that God. Okay. That is the only thing that gives continuance, importance, and purpose to the world. Right? So you say, why was it? So is chesed good? Yes. When? When God wants it. Is chesed bad? Yes. When God doesn't want it. When is deen good? When God wants it. When is deen bad? When God wants it. We have a relationship with God. We have a back and forth with God. The only absolute is that there's God. That's the only reason there's a continuance to this world. That's what Israel's answer back to Amalek. You're right, Amalek. But you have to go beyond this world. And that's why it doesn't end off nine bata tipasucha, It ends off It all it all ties back to who you're gonna stand in the end of the day. Because yes, if not for the fact that you're going to stand in front of God in the end of days, right? And, and tie back your 80 years or 120 years of existence into a larger, much bigger picture that is beyond your single life. Yeah, you're just a tipas who's going to become warm food. That's it. So, so, so now I want to point out the end of the Megillah. The end of the Megillah, after the Megillah really, there's a piyut that I actually read. I was wondering who wrote this uh, piyut. And uh, Shoshanat Yaakov, right? The Ashkenazim sing it, Faradim don't sing it, but it's very prevalent throughout the world. The Machzor Vitri actually says that the, the, the Hasidim Arishonim actually wrote it, which it just shows you how 
Some people say the Gaonim wrote it. But it's very, very... So, Shoshanat Yaakov, Tzala V'Samecha, Birotam Yachat Chelen Mordechai. How do you translate Shoshanat? Like the rose? The rose of, Mode, of Yaakov, Israel. They were joyous and happy when they saw together the the Tchelet of Mordechai, the blue of Mordechai. Tuatam Aitala Netzach, their salvation was forever. Tikvatam Bechol Dor Vador, their hope is for every generation. Lehodia, to let you know, Shekol Kovecha Lo Yovoshu, anybody who calls out to God will not be, um, you know, left to dry. Velo Yikalmu La Netzach Kol Achosimbo. And they won't, um, and people who believe in, uh, who, uh, in God will not be left forever. I'm translating this horribly. Aru Haman, cursed is Haman. Asher bikesh lobdi, who wanted to kill me. Baruch Mordechai Yodi, blesses Mordechai Yodi. Arura Zeresh, Eshet Mafridi, cursed is Zeresh, the wife of the one who scared me. Bucha Esther Badi, blessed is Esther who one who was with me. Vegam Chavona Zechulatov, and also Chavona Zechulatov. So, what is Tchelat Mordechai? The Tchelet Mordechai, the, on the simple level, is just, uh, he wore the king's clothes when he, the Haman was taking him out into the city, as the story goes. He's wearing the king's clothes. Tchelet is a color of royalty. Okay. I think it goes much deeper than that. Why? Because we say that, um, in Tzitzit, you have the color Tchelet. Nowadays, uh, unfortunately, we don't have this chut, but we, Tzitzit, you have the color Tchelet. That was the, actually the main point of the Tzitzit, is to have the Tchelet. And Rashi explains why. Because Tchelet is blue. The blue reminds you of Shemaim. Shemaim reminds you of heaven, of like uh, God. And God reminds you that uh, you need to do the service of God. Right? Very similar. Very similar. It's very similar. Ay, 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 ay. It's very similar to the story of how we defeat Amalek. How does the story go? Amalek's attacking the Jews. Moshe, Aaron, and Hur go up the mountain. And Moshe raises his hands. And Hur stands on one, raises his hand from one side. Aaron raises Moshe's hand from the other side. And he raises his hand. And as the, they say, the Pasuk says, when his hands were up, that's when the Jews were winning. When the hands were down, the Jew, Amalek was winning. So the Gemara in Tavchavtet, in Maseret Rosh Hashanah, asks, and was it that the hands of Moshe were winning the war or losing the war? Does that make sense? The hands of Moshe? They were winning the war? No. Rather what? Kol pam. Every time when Moshe's hands were raised up, the Jews would look up to his hands, look up to Shamaim, and Yishabdu libam le'avim sheba Shamaim. That's a key word. To translate, they would say, place their heart in a servitude of God. Devote. Devoteness to God. That's a good word. That's a key word. It's not remembering God. It's devoteness to God. Okay? Side point. But, um, devotion. Devotion. Devoteness. So, I think that that's the Tchelet Mordechai. Now, what is the Tchelet Mordechai? The Tchelet Mordechai is exactly the point what he tells Esther that we don't understand what he's saying. He's not crazy. 
He's not crazy. In fact, he's the most sober, sane person who's connected to reality. Why? Because he's connected to absolute reality. So what does he say? We might die. I'm very well aware that we might die. But who are we? Tipa Sulchat that's going to Efer and Tulat? That's... I don't know why. I always think it's Ramah, but whatever. But uh, you're scared you're going to die. You, Esther, living in the, that year, who's uh, right now standing in front of me, you're scared you're going to die. Who are you? You're garbage. <laughs> Your garbage is going to garbage. We all are. So even if we all die, we're all going to die. But I know one thing. What is that? I know one thing. I know that God has a relationship with Israel. So you might die, I might die, they might die, Israel won't die. Israel won't die. But what? But you won't be here. Shaul, you right now have a, a tikkun of doing to what was Shaul. Shaul didn't want to do what he did. What happened? His kingdom got lost. He lost his uh, ability. No, you can't be the king anymore. If you're, you're either on it, on the mission, you're either on the plan or you're against the plan. But if you're against the plan, you're not going to be written in the books. You're not going to be remembered. Who cares about you? You're nothing. We all are nothing. But you're placed in a position right now where you're able to make a difference. Take the opportunity. Why? Because this is larger than you. This is larger than me. This is larger than all of us. This is larger than our, all, our, all our lives put together. This is the relationship between man and God. Israel and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And you have ability to do something about it. And you need to do it. Because it's not about you. Um, and that, that's, so now, placed in that context, it's not crazy at all. In fact, he's the only one who makes sense. Everyone's scared. What am I going to do? What am I going to do this? What am I going to do Am I going to die? Am I going to get killed? Mordechai is the only one sitting there. He's saying, guys, I know there's a mission to the world. If they really want to kill all the Jews, they're not going to kill all the Jews. They might kill all the Jews in Shushan. They might kill all the Jews in Persia. But there's going to be Jews somewhere that are going to continue this relationship with God. And that's, the mission that I'm connected to. So even if I die, as long as that mission stays alive, that's all I that's all I care about. Because that's the only thing that gives me purpose to my life. You know what I'm saying? You're with me? That's the Tchelet Mordechai. Now, where do we see that actually? It's very interesting. I noticed that there's a trend. Whenever we talk about Amalek and their relationship with Israel, it's always in a context of Bracha and Klala. Bil'am, klala and bracha. Baruch Mordechai, Aruch Haman. Um, every single time, there's a bracha and a klala. Agag. Agag, bracha and klala. No, not that I know of. Not that I know of. But... What? We need to try, we need to try. I don't think it's a curse over there, but... I don't think that's a curse, but regardless, regardless... Okay, maybe not every time we deal with Amalek, but at least the two times that it counts. Bil'an? We'll just cut this out. Yeah, we'll cut it out. We'll minute 57, I think, we'll cut it out. <laughs> but, um... So what is the word bracha? The word bracha is actually a gardening term. Livroach. To graft, I think it's called. When you take one branch and you connect it to another branch. That's called grafting, right? That's bracha, livroach. Right? You have a source 
I, I need to check. Check up online. Well, leave walk gardening term. Um, I think it's grafting. Grafting. Yeah. That's the word bracha. Livoir. Now, in Hebrew. Now, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. But, um, Monty, see what you do to me? Two things, one thing from there. No, 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 it's just not grafting. But, um, but, so I think that from the term bracha and klala, you're able to see the two approaches of Israel and Amalek. Why? Bracha is connection. Why? You take a branch that's dying and you connect it to a, 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 a tree that's alive. Et Chaim. You take the branch that is dying. What is that? Humanity. You connect it to an Et Chaim and through that it's able to get life. What is a Klala? Kalut. Light. Everything's light. There's no meaning. Oh, you died. Oh, okay. Oh, this. Everything's light. Everything's kal. That's a klala. So what's the difference between Mordechai and Aman? Where they were in the story. The question, the, 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 the difference between Haman and Mordechai is essentially where were they in God's plan? Mordechai is the person who connects to God's plan, pushes God's plan, and therefore he's Baruch because he's connected into the mission that God has for the world. Haman says no. I'm not. I'm not going to. In fact, everything he lives with is uh, light. How does he even choose the date? Purim, Goral. Everything's lottery, random, kar, random, chaotic, klala, kal, light. And we finish off the piyut with vegam charvona zachulatov. Charvona zachulatov. Can anyone tell me how Psukim Chavona has about him? One. One Pasuk. That's it. One Pasuk. Chavona Zachulatov. So this is uh, from Rav Sheftel. Rav Sheftel says that if you're able to get to the real understanding of Tchelet Mordechai, if you're able to get to the real understanding that everything is part of God's plan, as Mordechai showed the Jews, then Gam Chavona Zachulatov. Chavona is the Chorban Abayit. Even the Chorban Abayit, you're, you're able to understand it, that it was for our good. Not, not the guy? I'm sure, I'm sure the guy also. Why not? Let's mm. remember the guy of the good, no? <laughs> so, yeah, he's represent. he's a symbolism for the Chorban. So now, I think... <coughs> That we see this actually also back in Bil'am. The Midrash tells us that Bil'am and Yitro and Iyov were the people that Paro asked advice about whether or not to kill the Jews. Right? And what does Yitro say? No, don't kill the Jews. And what does he get? He becomes part of Israel. What does Bil'am say? Kill the Jews. What happens? He dies, right? He dies with a sword. He gets killed. What does Yov say? He stays silent. And because of that, he has a life of misery and endless torture. Now, I don't understand the Yov. Many people don't understand Yov. Maybe your father understands Yov and through your father, Giddy. Because oh. <laughs> they were learning it together. I mean, but um, 
But looking, focusing on Bil'am and Yitro, the two approaches to, to this question that they were asked by Paro, we're again able to see a distinction between Amalek and Israel. Why? Because the question wasn't, do we kill the Jews? It's look at this nation that, you know, look at this nation that's taking over this country. Look at this nation that's so powerful. Look at this nation that has all the infrastructure of the city, of the, of the country. Do we kill them or do we not kill them? And what does Yitroz say? Yitroz says, no. I see, look at this strong nation. Look at how they're connected to God. Look at all the signs you are getting from God that they're able to have. I don't know if this was before or after. They're able to have six kids in one go. They don't die. What are they? This is supernatural. This is crazy. This is, this is a sign from God. You have to recognize the sign from God. Don't kill them. Bilam says, no. So what? We could kill them, so let's kill them. So what if they're supernatural? So what if they're so powerful? If what they're, 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 they're doing so well? We want to kill them. There's, it's better for the interests of the country, so let's kill them. It's a question of awareness to the signs that are, is presented to us from reality. It's a question of whether or not we are willing to look and see the signs which God is giving to us. And from that, Yitro runs away and connects to Israel. And he's connected to Moshe, right? Connects to this vision of Israel because he says, I see through the Jews, there's a mission in the world and he recognizes I'm either on this mission or I'm not on this mission. And he chooses to be with this mission. Bil'am says, I recognize there's a mission in the world and I choose not to be on this mission. And this is what happens with what Mordechai, what Mordechai presents as telling you want to be on the mission or you want to be against the mission. So now, I think that using this, we're able to understand the drinking on Pui. So, I, uh, so I actually, oh, sorry, side point before I move on to Bisume, the Purim. Um, so I mentioned before that if you look at everything in this world, there's, there's no, seemingly no absolutes. Chesed could be used for bad. Din could be used for bad. Right? So what is good? What's bad? What's good? What's evil? Is there an absolute truth? So, connecting to the concept of bracha, when you're connected to the et chaim, meko chokma, then you're able to distinguish between what is actually good and what is bad. And in the story of Shaul and Shmuel, the Midrash says, Shaul, why didn't he kill Agag? Because Agag told him, have chesed, have rachamim. He talked into his ear. So, so you, king of the Jews, have mercy. The Jews are merciful people. You shouldn't kill me. And Shaul falls for it. Shmuel doesn't. Why? What's the difference between Shmuel and Shaul? Mem. You write Shaul, you write Shmuel, the difference is a mem. Mem, as we know, is the sign of the, the, of the chokhmah, bina. As we know that uh, if you want to know something, uh, you only you know, when you learn something from your rabbi, you only learn it forty years later, right? Okay. That's in that uh, in that same poem. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so let's focus on the Gemara of Chayvinish Lebesumei. So the Gemara starts off.
there's Rabba and Rav Zera, they're sitting together, they're having the Seuda. Come le Rabba, ve'ashchate le le Rav Zera. So now we have the famous question, how can Rabba shech Rav Zera, right? I think he said Rabba though. But, uh, whatever. No, no, yeah. How can Rabba shech Rav Zera? So, the next day, it says le Machar. Le Machar, the next day, uh, he asked for forgiveness and then brought him back to life. Lishana, next year, uh, he goes up to him and he says, Let's do a Sudat Purim again. He like, and he says, Not every single hour and hour there comes to the nest. What's, the, what, what, what's going on here with Rabba and Rav Zera? I don't know, I, I, you know, everybody already knows the question. How can Rabba Shech Rav Zera? Okay, so. I was made aware by the Ya'abet to a Gemara in Masechet Brachot, Daf Lamed Amud Bet. And it lists over there, uh, uh, how do we know that you're not allowed to pray with Kalut Rosh? And they bring the sources. But then Rabba comes around and Rabba says, what's the source that you need to be um, for serious when praying? Says, Gilu um, Bera'ada. Should be so joyous to do the service of God that you're shaking, rada, trepidation. And then there's a story. Rabba goes up to uh, I think I'm I'm not sure if it's a Baye or Rabbi uh, Yochanan. I don't know. I don't know. He goes up to him. He sees him. He's uh, like uh, laughing. He's happy. Oh no! A fly went to my beer. <laughs> Guys, this is an emergency. Okay, so um, he goes off to him and he says, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? Don't you know? Why are you so bedachi? You're making jokes. He says, no, 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 no. I'm serving God right now. So because I'm serving God right now, I'm happy. Meaning I'm not so, I'm not so anxious to be able to serve God. I'm serving God right now. So I'm able to be like happy. Okay, next line. Rav Zeira, he goes, he sees somebody laughing, having fun, bedachi, and he goes up to him and he says, don't you know, it's in Mishlei, what's exactly the, from every single, I would say in English, from every single sorrow will come benefit. So why are you so happy? So he says, no, 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 I'm putting on tefillin right now. So therefore I'm not, I'm not sad because I'm putting, I have tefillin right now. Rava, Rab, Rava and Rabzeira are two so extreme points of a spectrum that they come back to the same exact point. Rabzeira says, don't you know Gilu Bera'ada? You should have Gil. You need to be so happy that he goes up to someone who's having fun, who's lightheaded, and he says, what are you doing so chilled? You have to be crazy shivering. You know, at a certain point from happiness, you start crying. Right? Rav, Rav Zera, the opposite. FYI, there's sadness. Why are you so happy? They're so extreme on the two spectrums that they have the same exact story. We're the same exact story. They go up to somebody and they say, why are you so happy? And he says, I have to fill in. Same exact story. So, Haman and Mordechai are like that, similar like that. They're two such extremes 
but they connect at one point. Can you answer your question? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, they connect at one point. And so, Haman, so usually in our day-to-day life, we think of what is good, and we think, uh, you know, absolute good. You think of some tzaddik, humble, so is there. And you think of a rasha, and you say, wow, the rasha is so the, disgusting, so that, but the truth is that these are two constructs that were built by us. Right? The way we perceive a tzaddik and the way we perceive a rasha are two very extreme concepts. And it's very flabbergasting. A lot of people, that you take a rasha like Hitler and you're like, did you know he was vegetarian? It's true. What do you mean he's vegetarian? Yeah, he was actually a vegetarian. He didn't like harming animals. He didn't believe in harming animals. And you're like, it just doesn't make sense. How could a person like that code? How does that make sense? Somebody who's able to commit a genocide doesn't want to kill animals? It's because our concept of evil and our concept of good are constructed by us. They're not real. They're not real. How do I know they're not real? Because half the people that are not connected to absolute reality have the same exact construct as us. Right? They believe in evil and good and they don't even know what evil and good is. So, I think that's the point of the, the story and through that we're going to see why Yechavim is they're two such extremes of spectrums, yet they come together and have the same exact manifestation. Right? Purim, the Seudah of Purim, we're supposed to get drunk, Lipsume, which I don't know if this is the Soros, but Suma means blind. We're supposed to get blind. It's a different word, but I think it's connected. Suma means blind. Now, it's not the point, it's not like the thrust above the Zen. But the point of the Seudah of Purim is to get so drunk, You don't know the difference between Baruch Mordechai and Aruch Haman. Why? Because what you think when I say Baruch Mordechai is not what Baruch Mordechai means. When I say Aruch Haman, you're thinking of Hitler. And when I say Baruch Mordechai, you're thinking of, uh, I don't know, the Baba Sal, the Chavt Chaim, you know? But that's not what it means. What is Baruch? What is Aruch? It's a very simple question. Are you on the mission or are you not on the mission? So you can see someone on the street, who doesn't look like a tzaddik ador, who might be have a lot of avirot on him, he might be doing avirot at the moment, but at the end of the day, he's on the mission, right? He's someone who's committed to the mission. He's someone who says, listen, I understand that I have all these problems, I understand that this and that, whatever, obviously this, you know, but at the same time, he's someone who's connected. And you can have someone who looks like a tzaddik, who's not connected at all. Who's a who? Who's baruch? You don't know. You don't know. So we have this construct of who we think people are when the truth is it really comes down to a very basic question. Are you on the plan or are you against the plan? Are you connected? Baruch? Are you not? And therefore you're, you're Kal, you're Aru. Rabba, Rabba, what? Inward as well. Am I? Yeah, it's very, it's very much inward. Now, Rabba and Rabzeh, Rabba didn't fulfill his mitzvah, I think. I mean, with humility, I think. I think the issue over there, Rabba didn't fulfill his mitzvah. Why? They did the Seudat Purim. They got drunk. Kam Rabba. Rabba got up. Kam is a word also for stand, waking up. Woke up. He shechted it for Rabzeh. What did he shech for Rabzeh? 
what did he stress for Rabzeya? His understanding of what they were supposed to be doing. Now, let me explain. We see that they're two complete extremes. So you get them drunk, right? What is the one guy doing? He's shivering, he's dancing, he's, uh, you know, he's crying from Gil, the other person. He's shivering, he's crying from Etsev. They look the same, but they're two totally different people. Rabba came up, and he said, why are you so sad? He killed that vision for him. He, did, he took him at a moment of vulnerability, right? And killed it for him. That's, I think, he cut off that for him. He said, why are you so sad? What are you doing? Get up. And Rab it took away from him. It took away from him. He, he was mekabel what Rabba told him. And he said, you know what? Fine. That's a big problem on Purim. That was a big problem on Purim. Why? Because he made a separation between the person and who he is himself. He cut him out. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, jumping, like a little bit, like not uh, 100% uh, on it. But uh, but I think the next day when they sobered up, he goes up to him, by Rachamei, he asked for forgiveness for Rachamim, from whom? From Ravzeira. He asked for forgiveness from Ravzeira. Rachamim comes from the word Rechem, a womb. Tells him, have room, even though I killed this life vision you have, have Rachamim on it. There's room for both of us. He tried to go and fix what he messed up on Purim. And in the end, Achye, he was, he accepted it. The next day he said, next year he said, let's have a Seudat Purim together. Which by the way, that's the disproof why it can't have been an actual killing or an actual hurting. Because if you do an Avera, part of doing Tshuva is Azivat Achet. So what, you're going to go back to the place that you did the Avera? No, it can't be an actual Avera. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Mikabel that he actually killed him. I'm not Mikabel that he actually killed him. It doesn't make sense why the next year he would say, let's have the Saudat Purim. It just doesn't make sense. If he did Azevat Achet, he would go back to the same exact place he did the Chet. Rather, I think he's asking from Rav Zera, have Rachamim on this life vision that I killed for you in your moment of vulnerability. Because it's very possible to kill for someone something that he finds very dear in a moment of vulnerability. Right? Imagine you have a, you are a, a, a collector of, um, I don't know, dust bunnies. I don't know, this is something random. Okay, you come up to me and you say, in a moment of vulnerability, you know, I really love dust bunnies. And I say, hey, you fool, you idiot. Dust bunnies are stupid. I just ruined something that is a very big part of your life. More so if you're drunk and I'm sober. I think that's what Rabba did to Rabzera. Shachte lei le Rabzera. He shachted it for Rabzera. He shachted Rabzera's life vision to Rabzera. Um, now, so what's the point? What's the point? So uh, we understand how the sugya, uh, sugya reads, but what's the point? The point is that there's many different ways to be connected to the mission. There's many different ways to be connected to the mission. In our day-to-day -day life, we don't see every single way because there's a certain construct of reality which we abide by, which states you have to do it like this, you have to do it like that, you... It's not so, so, so socially acceptable to have like this, to be like that. 
But there are many different ways to serve God and to be connected to the mission of Israel. Nichnas yain sod. Purim is the day where that comes out. And everybody is on the same page. And everybody shows the many different ways that come together in one mission. Right? So every single person on Purim is the most himself he is the entire year. 364 days a year, there's a certain amount of respect you have to the tzibur and to the society and to the societal norm. Purim is the day you come out in the fullest you that you are. It's the most human holiday that there is. It's the most human holiday. It's a question to you to come out and be you through yain, through taking away the inhibitions that stop you from coming out the way that you actually are. What's the point of doing this? The point is to foster in Israel. It's two points. It's a point to break in Israel this construct that, that we, that the other nations have. The other nations, they have this sort of construct that they have for the holy man. The construct that they have for the wicked man. Israel is not like that. We don't follow constructs. Purim breaks that. You see the Rav drunk. You see the, 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 the lates of the Zeg giving a shiur. Every single person, it, it breaks your, your understanding of what, of what this construct is. And what does it do? It fosters a sense of, you know what? My constructs are wrong. But what I do know is that together we are connected on one mission. That together we are all part of this one mission, which is bringing down, bringing, having a relationship with God in this world. Uplifting this world, connecting this world to a point which gives this world meaning, right? Because the constructs in and of themselves don't exist. They don't exist in and of themselves. They only exist when connected to a relationship with God. And this can under, now, with this understanding, we're able to understand why it's in pace, very similar to the other to the other mitzvot of the yom. What are the other mitzvot? Matanat levyonim. Um, and so without Purim so we have to read and the whole holiday but the three mitzvot that you do they're all on the same exact mission it's to get all of Israel and make them one take the poor they're on with you you go to the people that you have problems with you make it right and, and, uh, so that Purim, you come out in the fullest you you are, and your friends come out in the fullest them that they are, and you guys coexist on the most vulnerable place that you guys are. Right? He's coming in the most vulnerable self that he is, and he's coming in the most vulnerable self that he is, and they come together as one nation. One nation. And the way to do that is to realize that the way to kill Amalek and that is the entire purpose of Israel. The way to kill Amalek is to bring this world and to bring the people in this world to have a relationship with God. Um, so I just uh, wanted to say that this, uh, this, if we're able to understand this, we're able to take the keri of Amalek and turn it to son veikar. We flip it on its head. We take the keri of Amalek 
the fact that the world doesn't exist and connected within the context of Seudat Purim, we're able to turn it into Simcha, Sason, Veikar. And so Purim is a question. Purim is the most human holiday. Purim is a question. The answer is who you are. Who you really are. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Go home. Go to sleep. <laughs>